0: hello everyone welcome back to the deuce racing podcast and on this week's episode we have an og to the deuce gym community miss emily hacker who we're gonna find out uh, has some great nicknames as well hack attack or just calling her by her last name hacker what an incredible human being Um, she's very consistent in her training she talks about especially at the end it's all about building the habit and setting it up in your life in a way where it's just not an option to not show up Um, she's a great role model for how training can evolve over time and I really love and I know that all of you are gonna love her approach for life and how she pivots not just from training day to day but also in pursuing new things From this sense of wonder versus being worried about what the outcome is going to be and being perfect or failing and so a lot of times when she's lifting and she'll she'll talk about this in the episode today is hmm i wonder if i can lift heavier i wonder if i can try this and this playfulness this you know openness about approaching something new that she's never done before um, is pretty incredible. And I think it's something that all of you can try and size as well. So again, thank you for listening. If uh, this podcast is something that you enjoy. And come on, guys, I know, I know you like hearing about your, your Deuce family, please subscribe to this show, like this, share with friends and family. And again, thank you for listening. I'm here sitting down with the Emily Hacker. Um, my first question for you, what do you prefer to go by, Emily or Hacker? <laughs> well,
1: growing up, nobody ever called me Hacker, but over time, that's just kind of evolved and every community I joined tends to call me Hacker. It really started when I was rowing in college, okay. um, Hack Attack became my nickname, uh, my Scan- large Scandinavian coach called me Hacker the attacker was um, a nice ring to it <laughs> so yeah I mean it's just kind of evolved to become part of my identity so I don't really have a strong preference but hacker is probably what most people
0: call me okay um You're actually in the system in push press. It's like hacker comes up before Emily. It's funny. I saw that and I thought that that was
1: done intentionally. And then I saw like some other people who had their names flipped, but I felt like, I was like, oh, that's, that's, they did that for me. And then I, (laughs) yeah.
0: So just fun facts all around. But um, you have been training at Deuce for a long time. Yeah, I've been training. You're kind of a legend, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) And I want to make sure that the whole community knows about you. So. Um, first of all, what time of day do you usually train? When are you
1: training now? Morning is my preference. Um, since I've been work from home, I have kind of flip-flopped between some mornings and some afternoons, and I like having that flexibility, but pre-
0: Bodybuilding 202. Shout out.
1: Uh, but pre-COVID, I was full on, like, you know, 5.30, 6 a.m., and I loved it. It was diehard.
0: What time are you going to bed for that?
1: Um, not early enough. Okay. <laughs> so just committed.
0: Yeah, just committed. And let's see, you've been at Deuce for a while. You were telling me before we started recording, you met Logan and Danny Yeah. Uh, back in like 2010. Yeah, back at CrossFit LA. Where is CrossFit LA for people who don't even know? Well,
1: CrossFit LA was on Wilshire at Franklin. Um, and then now it's on Lincoln actually it's called Oak Park now so they've kind of okay. rebranded um, but yeah I was at CrossFit LA like way back when it was like the first year they ever had the games at Carson and, and like we it, like it was way did you guys back, go like, we didn't go but we had like a viewing party oh my gosh yeah and you know they I don't know they were doing all kinds of crazy stuff and no one really knew what it was because it was the first year they ever like did something big like mm-hmm. away from the ranch um, but yeah so I met them back way back when and this is CrossFit. CrossFit pedigree, you know, if, <laughs> if no one's familiar with that, okay. Um, and so yeah, I trained there for about four, four and a half years, something like that, and then I took a long break from CrossFit. And, um, and was
0: that your first time with CrossFit?
1: It was. Okay. Yeah, I found CrossFit when I was looking to cross train over the summer. Um, at when I, at, between rowing seasons, and actually never went back to rowing. Like, so let's time out for a yeah. second. Where
0: were you rowing?
1: I was rowing at USC. Okay. Yeah. So I rode at USC for two years. Um, I did one year of novice and one year of varsity. Okay. And was yeah looking to, to cross train and I I don't know like rowing is so monotonous. You're staring at someone's back and. I fell in love with rowing because of the community that I met there. Mm. And then I found CrossFit and I was like, oh, I can compete and, um, you know, have this community and be competitive. And I don't have to stare at someone's back for 45 minutes or, you know, an hour and a half at a time. Sign me up. Exactly. And so I, I just fell in love with CrossFit and I actually would commute between uh, USC and CrossFit LA, um, you know, just to come work out ev- almost every single day because I loved it so much.
0: Wow, yeah. wow! So it almost like shifted your relationship with with training. Yeah, completely.
1: Um, I mean, I was going through this big revolution or evolution, I should say, in my enjoyment of of fitness because I, I hated exercise growing up. So I did musical theater kindergarten through twelfth grade and was obsessed with musical theater and um so but I was you, al- are you
0: gonna sing for us uh, no. what what's your you uh, have to find me at karaoke <laughs> uh <laughs> what's your uh what's your greatest hit you know what was your well I'll say that my go-to
1: karaoke song is part of your world from Little Mermaid which is okay. it's a sleeper hit at karaoke I know it doesn't sound like a rousing uh rousing tune but uh, we'll it really gets you the to people that going.
0: at a future time oh I am there for that yeah okay absolutely. so musical theater Yes. K through 12. This wasn't just like a third grade, third grade, one hit wonder. No, this was your life.
1: Yeah. My whole life. I loved being on stage and I loved performing. And, uh, but you know, by the same token, like I, I hated exercise and, you know, for me, like getting on the elliptical, like for 20 minutes, twice a week was like a huge, you know,
0: huge deal. And, um, any sports like growing up, right? Any point where you're like, "Oh, I want to do this," or no, you were well, like, "I'm a theater kid." I did one uh, semester of
1: volleyball in middle school and was like relentlessly bullied and ended up quitting. Yeah, mm. yeah, not great. Um, Rachel, I I see you out there, Rachel. Um, we know you're listening. <laughs> and um, but anyway, you know, so I I ended up uh, finding rowing when I was working uh, working out at this place called Revolution Fitness on Montana. And they were offering like the first indoor rowing classes on ergs. And the guy who coached, he, uh, he used to be on the national rowing team and he was like, you got to go out for the team and you know, blah, 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 blah. So was this like, you were still in high school? Um, I in... was just finishing my senior year of high school and like had ju- just about to go, it was the summer before my freshman year of college. Okay. And he was like, you got to go out for the team at USC. And I, wow. I said, are you kidding me? Like, absolutely not. I, I'm not an athlete. Like you've got, you've got to be joking. And he really, and you saying that to him, you didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I did. It was like Pocahontas growing in a <laughs> boat. And um, yeah, so he just pushed me. And um, I eventually got over my excuses and emailed the coach. And she had me come out for a practice to watch. And she looks me up and down at like after practice. And she goes, I can work with that. And I signed up later that day. And wow. ha- yeah, that was the moment that I ended up, you know, becoming an athlete basically
0: not until your first year of college or yeah. the summer before your first year in college
1: completely and the thing that kept me going really was the community because i found this like group of girls who were just so great and you know so encouraging and you know you're looking for friends when you're a freshman in college and totally and here they were these like really cool girls and actually my best friend today was the captain of the novice team and I remember her I was feeling discouraged because I didn't really feel like I fit in and she actually came to my dorm room and you know kind of gave me a pep talk and was like no we want you there like blah blah blah. oh my gosh
0: so that's awesome so yeah so awesome thanks um and so you got into this like rowing yeah which it sounds like right place right time or just you were curious at that point of like I want to train I want to like be ready for this thing yeah and uh and then what happened for like when CrossFit took over and you were like actually I shouldn't say took over but you were like I'm gonna train I'm gonna train (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna train CrossFit like I don't actually want to keep rowing like what was that like yeah well I mean there There was
1: just this, I just, I fell in love with strength training too, right? Like there was this competitive nature about CrossFit. And I mean, I went like full on, like I was like gunning for the leaderboard all the time. And, you know, the people that I met at CrossFit LA, like those are some like golden years in my
0: mind, Mm -hmm. really they are. And just um, context for people like that. You were coming in at pretty much like, I don't want to say the height, but you were like, in the boom of CrossFit when it was like really coming alive early games. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was still building as like a cultural phenomenon basically. And, um, yeah. So, you know, we also had a group of people at the gym who were getting ready to go to the CrossFit games. Like they had qualified as a team and I, I was not on that team, but I trained with them and, um, yeah, it just like it was just like such shenanigans and like shout out to Kenny Kane. If he just happens to listen to this, who is like, I still call him coach like that. You know, he's just one of my, like he, I hold him so dearly in my mind. Um, but you know, he put together like just a group of people who were like dancing and singing and having fun training. And you know, obviously that like really speaks to like the musical
0: theater kid in me. So, so yeah, it was just like a magical time in my life it's almost like rowing was like your first relationship Mm -hmm. with fitness and you had to like date around a little bit and then you're like oh frostfit like this woke up this beast of strength training and i think that's i mean i'm projecting that metaphor on you but i want you to also talk about how just in your time maybe since coming into deuce and when you started at deuce and the evolution of how your training has shifted there you know going from like maybe GPP into strength into bodybuilding Uh, I'm only being a little shit like this because (laughs) I'm doing it too but um yeah what was that like accountability yeah for (laughs) real what was that like to uh you took a little break from CrossFit you know like when was it time and then how did you get back into Deuce, and then what's been kind of the trajectory of like training yeah so
1: I did like I mean when I was at CFLA I was like really doing CrossFit and then I Took a break because I started working at a boxing studio, and so I was working out there. Um, you know, not paying for a gym membership and all that. And um, I was train, and then I started training on my own uh, once I left the boxing studio, like 24-hour fitness, and I was lifting on my own. And one thing about me is that, like, I. If I'm left to my own devices, I just want to go as heavy as possible all the time and do like all the things. I I just am always like, oh, I should be doing more. I should be doing more, which is part of the reason I love following a program. Because then I say, oh, that's enough. Mm -hmm. Um, There's somebody telling me that that's Mm -hmm. sufficient. Um, And I had actually gone through a bunch of, I'd actually had um, an injury. I got a bulging disc L5S1. And I had torn both labrums in my hip at separate times. Uh, just partial tears, but it took me like literally almost a day, like a year to the day. I had torn one and then I tore the other, like doing almost the exact same thing. And, you know, I came to Deuce kind of looking for some guidance about what to do. I mean, I came back for the community. I missed the people, but I also just didn't know what to do. I had gone to a physical therapist for my back and she was so stunned when I could do hold 15 seconds of plank on one side. She didn't know what else to do with me. And like so I like kind of what the right. student is
0: progressing. Yeah.
1: I had kind of been doing my own PT and I just wanted to do more, but didn't know what to do. And so I came to do looking for, a place where I could get some guidance from the coaches about how to move through my injury because Mm -hmm. I I thought like, I was like, I'm never going to deadlift again. I'm never going to back squat again. Um, And you had like just fallen in love with all these things. Totally. Like within the last couple of years, within the few years prior. And, um, you know, I was really looking for some consistency about how to how to move forward. And so I started doing GPP with modifications from the coaches and ultimately transitioned into doing some um, just custom programming with Ben, uh, which was really, really great. Now, before GPP, because I want to go into that,
0: I think this is important for people to hear like, hey, I did modifications in GPP. Oh, yeah. And when you were doing these modifications, maybe initially you felt like, oh, you know, I have to do that. But what did that feel like? Did it feel like you were getting less of a workout Did it, or did you feel did you feel more empowered or like frustrated, discouraged by these modifications?
1: Honestly, it. For me at that point, I had been seeking, like looking for so long about how to move forward that it felt really good to be able to move forward confidently. Mm -hmm. That it was actually very empowering for me because I found ways to work similar muscles and, you know, find ways to modify that allowed me to get the same stimulus without hurting myself and i could do that with confidence and that was really important to me
0: it's like the the scope of the movement library that you had access to and knowing those movements and also like what that wakes up in your body and like does for your body um but i think that's really important because i think a lot of times folks think that they have to like be perfect or do rx as prescribed for all the things and it's like that couldn't be further from the truth. Well, and that was me
1: like that was me completely especially you know coming from rowing and then going into you know wanting to compete competitively in CrossFit like I wanted to do all the things as heavy as possible like but you're like I, I'm
0: hacker hack attack you exa- see me?
1: <laughs> exactly and so you know for me it was like a huge ego check to have to go through these injuries and um you know really like I have learned so much persistence about. I've started over with my strength so many times, Um, you know, because the labrums and the, you know, the hips and like my back, they didn't all happen at once. They happened like over time. And, you know, having not had a background in physical fitness when I was young, I didn't have a lot of the stability and a lot of the like base strength that I really needed to be lifting as heavy as I was trying to lift like Kenny Kane, he once told me, he's like, he's like, Emily, it's kind of like your muscles and your bones are like at odds with each other. Like Mm -hmm. your muscles want to lift it and your bones don't.
0: They're like, Hey, we're going to need some foundational.
1: Exactly. And I really had to go back and start building a foundation and, you know, working with the coaches at Deuce and working with
0: Ben, like that really helped me to start, start again. And when you say foundation, do you mean, um, do you mean that, you know you were figuring out how to activate more like musculature when you were Completely. doing lifts versus maybe you had a natural aptitude for for like going heavy I can go heavy
1: like I'm a bigger person like I can hold the weight but like I didn't feel my glutes activate in a squat until like maybe 18 months ago and I've okay, been training I for like so 11 this. years totally.
0: <laughs> If it makes you feel any better, two-sport athlete over here in college. Yeah. It wasn't until, like, 2015, I was like, oh, high glutes. I feel you in a squat. I I had no idea. I I had no (laughs) idea that
1: I didn't know what I was doing. And, like, I had no core strength, no core stability, and I didn't know that. So just, like, a ton of, like, unilateral work, like, Mm a ton of core strength stuff. And, you know, now I'm lifting heavier than I ever have, really, Oh, we see it. It's insane. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I did have to go back and like really start from start from zero. And honestly, like being at Deuce really helped me with the mindset piece of that Mm -hmm. too. Um, You know, because of Deuce, I read that book, Mindset, and Mm -hmm. that. I mean, that has had a trickle over effect into so many areas of my life because I've always been super, super hard on myself. Um, I hold myself to like an unreasonable level of like critique oftentimes. And, uh, yeah. you know, that book has really helped me to, yeah, just like shift to the way that I approach things.
0: And if you could articulate that shift, it sounds like, but correct me if I'm wrong, it went from feeling like I am a certain way, I have this strength or I have this ability or it is enough or it isn't enough, as if it was like finite one or the other way. And now maybe the mindset is more so on this is a process and bought in on that process. completely, Which is amazing. So you worked with Ben for, how long was that? Maybe about a a year or so? I would say, yeah, it was like close to a
1: year, maybe like, yeah, 10 months to a year or something like that. And then... Covid happened, and okay, um, yeah. So we kind of so stopped that process and was just like doing you know Delta Bravo and some backyard training over at Farbs and like uh, all that stuff. Whatever
0: you could do, whatever I could do,
1: yeah. And now, um, and then I started doing strength two o two, and I did that for quite a few months and really enjoyed that. And then transitioned to bodybuilding
0: and have been there ever since. Yeah crushing my weights and (laughs) goblet squatting 110s that was a mistake I think that was really heavy (laughs) so what I love about the bodybuilding and I love to poke fun on it too is like you know I'm doing the 202 right now and I think it's cool especially when you come from a background that like really appreciates the community Mm -hmm. and coming from GPP that In all the programs at Deuce now, there's this camaraderie about like, you know, 202, if you're training and I'm out there and I'm training too for bodybuilding, I'm going to be a little instigator, you know, (laughs) or like talk a little bit of smack. And it's cool the community that's grown out of that. There's all these little microcosms of like families going on at deuce and also obscure but it the the camaraderie is there for everything which is absolutely
1: yeah I mean there's so much community even just between any of the specialty programs like now I sort of bridge the gap between like the strength 202 and bodybuilding and like you know so if I see like the strength 202 people in the morning like we still like we'll talk about what they're doing and um, instead of like
0: lost it's like oh the others
1: yeah it's like yeah I'm train like oftentimes I do train by myself but you know, I'm there still around those other people who are training. So even if we're not doing the exact same thing at the ex- exact same moment.
0: Totally. We're still in it together. Totally. Um, And so I think now's a good time maybe to pivot into all the things that you're doing, you know, on the like deuce racing side oh, yeah, of it. Like sure. how you're expressing <laughs> yourself out there. Um, you have some very interesting niche hobbies that you do that are very impressive, kind of like jumping out of airplanes, you know, so I want to know, um, how many jumps I'm going to let you tell the number, (laughs) how many skydiving jumps you have and how you got into that.
1: Yeah, so I just think life is better with my feet off the ground. (laughs) Um, but I put it on a shirt. (laughs) I've been skydiving for about eight years. Um, I have 498 skydives, uh, which it's funny because, like, for me, you wanted
0: to say 500, I wanted so badly to say 500, and I just the
1: pace was so slow yesterday. I was like, I'm gonna hit 500 tomorrow, and it just didn't happen. Um, but I've been skydiving for about eight years, and you know, it's been that has also been such a huge transformative, like, powerful force in my life. Um, I've met some of the most incredible people, and like, it really changed my temperament. To be honest with you, talk about that.
0: Yeah, um, that's a bold claim. That's really <laughs> cool.
1: I I think that before I started skydiving, I just like wasn't very much fun. I know that sounds kind of strange, but I through most of my youth I guess I was really obsessed with doing things the way that I thought they should be done and or even like
0: filling a role completely musical theater Yeah. yeah
1: and skydiving really showed me some alternative ways of living and different ways to approach life and you know even though I don't Necessarily want to pack parachutes and live on the drop zone in a tent. Like, there are people doing that and they're so happy. And it's also one of the most generous communities I've ever been a part of. Like, I can go anywhere in the country and show up at a drop zone and have instant friends, no matter what our backgrounds are. And they will like give me the shirts off their back and offer to like let me take a shower at their house and, you know, cook me dinner and like all this stuff. And it's amazing. It's really incredible. And it's, changed, it's changed a lot of the way that I approach my life. And I try, I try to take a lot of inspiration in the way that I try to be generous with others, you know, as a result of that. Um, but yeah, I've been skydiving for about eight years. Um, I have, I'm like what I would consider a very part-time skydiver. Like I know 498 sounds like a lot. I'm over
0: here, like eyes rolling in the back of my head. Oh my God. (laughs) But in
1: the skydiving community, it's actually like a pretty low number, especially for how many years I've been jumping. Um, but I started skydiving because of someone I met on Tinder actually. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. It had always been on my bucket list. And, um, he was a skydiver and a base jumper and all these things. And shortly after, uh, we stopped seeing each other, I was like, forget you. I'm going to go like, I'm still going to jump. I'm still going to do this. And I went out and did a tandem. Uh, I went out by myself and did a tandem and it's like in the video, they say, Oh, do you want to say hi to anybody? And I just like, no, I'm just here, here for myself. And, in the, in the plane, they're like, are you sure you don't want to say hi to anybody? And I was like, yeah, I guess I'll say hi to my mom because she'd like that. Because you wanted to say hi to him, maybe. <laughs> and, you know, uh, then I just thought to myself, like, I bet if I did this by myself, like really by myself, I would really love this. And so I went back two or three weeks later and did a first jump
0: course and have been jumping ever since. What was that first jump like, though? What did you feel, you know, when your feet hit the ground? Well, I that you didn't understand about it before.
1: Well, I, the adrenaline that I, when I, when I am full of adrenaline, I laugh. So my, my tandem after my first jump, I was just laughing hysterically, like most of the time. Um, and I see you in the ice bath right now laughing. <laughs> it and all I it's all coming yes, together, right? Yes. Um, but I mean, for me, the, the first student solo I did was one of the more like, Profound experiences that I've had um, because it really helped me experience the sky in a more spacious, like in a, in a truly like spacious way. So, you the first couple of jumps, you're jumping out with instructors and they're holding on to you, and then your first student solo, you go out completely by on your own. And so, I just remember standing on the door of the plane and looking at all the people inside and going, "Okay, so I'm." going out there and you guys are are staying here Uh, okay okay and so I jump out and if you've ever swam like really far out into the ocean looked back at the shore swam out into a lake I had very much that same feeling of being just like in a large mass like away from all the people and um you know there was just this, yeah, just this incredible sense of spaciousness. And so I always tell people that So more di-
0: peaceful, less scary.
1: Incredibly peaceful. Okay. And I also, uh, always tell people that skydiving is one of my favorite ways to be in nature. Hmm. Um, and it's such an incredible way to experience a place. Like I've been skydiving in Moab, Utah and it's like jumping into an alien planet. You totally. Know? I've been to
0: Arches and canyons. Oh, yeah. I kept most- thinking a dinosaur was going to pop up. I off. know. It's <laughs> one of
1: the most sensational places. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, you know, you get to like fly around like these giant tower, like rock towers and things like that. And it's just, it's just such an incredible way to be, yeah, be in nature. So do you think
0: you, did you jump before you had started training or CrossFit?
1: Or during? No, I started jumping after I was, like maybe two
0: years, two or three years after I started doing CrossFit. And do you think that helped you kind of have the like wherewithal and confidence to to do it or it was it was almost it was a different part of your life you were like no I'm i am curious again and this is a different application and like I'm gonna do this thing it definitely took on a life of
1: its own okay um
0: but if you ask people that
1: know me they'll tell you that like once I find something that I'm interested in I like really go full into it and so my response to finding CrossFit was definitely the same as my response to finding skydiving like I really just dove into it head first yeah and, yeah became very immersed in it
0: yeah yeah and any like bucket list places that you want to jump that you haven't yet? Oh, my gosh. So many. Too many. Yeah, yeah. Too many, honestly. Yeah. Like I said, just such a beautiful way to see see a place. Speaking of being in the sky yeah. and spaciousness, um, you also have a pilot's license. I do. Yeah. So I, tell me about that.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I uh, my mom was a pilot for American Airlines for 30 years, actually. Um, and that's. I've always just thought of What's flying. your mom's
0: name? My mom's name is Maureen. Maureen, shout out. Shout out, mom. <laughs> um,
1: and I have oh. always, um, I don't know, just to me, flying was always super normal because of that, right? Like, it never seemed like, it seemed like an odd profession or anything okay. like that. Um, but, you know, skydiving really changed my appreciation for aviation. She had wanted me to... And actually had me do like a discovery flight, which is basically where they say, yeah, this is what it's like to have a flight lesson, you know, 13 or 14 years ago. Okay. And I just, I didn't love it at the time. And my mom had a transformative life experience when she took her first flight. And so I didn't have that experience. And I was like, oh, OK, so that's like probably not for me. OK. And um, then a couple of years ago, I was in a job that was very toxic and was looking to try and and pursue something else and thought I'd go back to flying and um you know just have been flying ever since I was about three and a half years ago now so I have my my private pilot's license my instrument rating and my commercial pilot's
0: license for a single engine airplane um so, so you're yeah. telling me that Santa Monica airport it's like right up the street you could just be flying in and out
1: that is where I fly out of so like I fly over deuce all the time so sometimes some mornings like that's actually me flying over that's your plane yeah
0: oh my could you like <laughs> send a signal next time? Maybe just like (laughs) throw like a green like firework out the window? I don't know. (laughs) There she is. Wow. Yeah. And what do you like about flying? That, again, it's its own thing. Just like skydiving is separate from training. What made you, you know, go down that rabbit hole and pursue that more?
1: Yeah. I. I, to be honest with you, it took me a while to actually enjoy flying. I really love it now, but it's very it was very very stressful for me. I hate getting getting in trouble. Um I always have. I've just had like a very strong aversion to it and being in such complex airspace in Los Angeles with LAX right there and, you know, all these things. Um I was always worried that I was going to get in trouble or do something wrong. And so I mean, I would cu- I mean, I came out of every single private pilot's license, uh, private pilot lesson drenched in sweat. Mm-hmm. I was so stressed out the entire time, and I honestly don't think I really started enjoying flying until I was like maybe halfway through my instrument rating, which sounds crazy, but you know, again, like just like I kind of throw myself and immerse myself into things. Like once I really mentally commit to something, I am doing it. Like I'm just gonna do it, and I, no matter what, and. Um, I don't always have too much control or a choice over what I actually choose to do, which is kind of strange. I don't have a lot of say in that. My brain will de- my brain or my intuition will decide for me. You know me. what
0: you want to follow and you just, yeah. yeah.
1: And, um, and yeah, so now, now I really love it. I mean, I don't do a lot of fun flights, but because I, a lot of it's training focused and it's expensive, but when I do a fun flight, I go, holy crap I can do this like what yeah. a cool skill like it's I, I actually kind of surprised myself you can fly sometimes. an airplane <laughs> but would yeah. you say
0: that um being able to step out of it and all the experience that you have had with it and continue to have with it it's kind of like this larger life lesson or whatever of this is really hard what I'm doing but if I stay in this process and keep going then that affords me this almost this like ability to enjoy it because I've gotten past all the initial stress of it. Like there will all be always be some stress about it, but it's like, if you can just stay in long enough to get the foundational skills, then you're kind of like, Oh, there's this other level. Absolutely. True. Uh, Completely. And the, honestly, this
1: is sort of like where that tie into, to that book mindset comes back in because, you know, you have to be able to take feedback that you're not doing things well when you're flying. And, um, you know, you have to just, you have to just kind of like sit in the hard times because as with any skill acquisition, right, there are moments of progression and moments of regression. And And we love the progression. We do love the progression and there are plateaus and, you know, all these things. And so, like I said, I used to be really hard on myself. I used to place value judgments on, you know, myself based on how well I performed at something. And you know understanding that understanding a growth mindset actually really helped me throughout that pro- throughout the process of flying because you know I had to basically say like okay well this is just how it's supposed to be like you're a beginner it's okay you're not expected to be perfect at this mm-hmm. because especially for me if there are things that I just expect myself to be able to do well if I can't do them all well, I get very frustrated totally and so often that comes with flying and um, you know, with my commercial pilot's license, it's basically like a more advanced private pilot's license. But it's VFR flying, which is just visual flight rules. So it's okay, like I was it's say, sunny what does outside. That in- entail? Yeah. yeah, so when it's sunny outside, right? Like it's, you know, you can see it's, it should be easy to fly. And if I wasn't performing maneuvers up to the standard that I thought I should be performing them to, I'd have to just say, Emily, you're okay. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. You're a beginner. Like, you're not supposed to be doing this to the level. With my instrument rating, which is flying through clouds um flying through okay. inclement weather conditions you're flying only by reference to instruments so you actually wear these goggles that prevent you from seeing outside the windows so you can only see the instruments in front of you to mimic conditions or yes. you're flying through a cru- through a cloud and I thought well that's supposed to be hard so if I'm not doing well like it's fine it's supposed to be hard but you know when you expect something to be easy you have to still say you have to still give yourself the permission and allowance to be a beginner and you know Learn so learn through that so
0: that's so, powerful yeah so, yeah so being at Deuce has really helped me with that actually well and I as you're saying that part of me is like oh is that how you stay so consistent because I know anybody that you know trains around the same time when you train in the morning sometimes you're in the afternoon but it's like you're always there like yeah how many do you take what, like one day off a week maybe two days um, off a week I try to do two so I'll train I'll, I, I'll train
1: four to five days a week depending on my schedule. Um, But to me, I try to approach my training with curiosity. Interesting. Um, that, yeah, you know, I, I love progressive overload training because I basically come into every session and ask myself, like, okay, can I go heavier today? Like could I? What if I just tried? Like yes, you can do
0: the one ten exactly. dumbbell for the goblet squat, and I will be watching.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think that's the that's the thing about it is like I it, it, there's always this moment too where you decide to put more weight on the bar, and sometimes like you're both excited and disappointed that you can do it because you're like oh I guess I have to lift heavier
0: all the time now. <laughs> like, but I think that's such a good paradox to bring up. Yeah. But you can you're aware of both in the same moment completely. And that's part of it instead of being like, oh, but I I don't want to be disappointed now that I have to lift this heavy and it's this hard. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, I just try to I try to just say,
1: I wonder if I could, you know, and even if it's just on the last set or whatever it is, I just if it feels like there's an opportunity to try and push that line just a little bit further, I try to take it and, you know, I don't I don't ever try to push it too far because I've been injured before, right? I'm also very, very risk averse. Like, I always joke that I'm like the most cautious extreme sports athlete you'll ever meet. And I mean, it's, it's probably a good thing when you're <laughs> flying a plane, you're jumping good out thing. of a plane. Yeah. And the same is true with my training. Like, I'm very cautious in the way that I progress. But, you know, I
0: also just try to say, I just wonder today, like maybe, maybe there's room to push that line a little. And how does your mindset shift when you take that gamble? You're like, maybe, let's see, I wonder when it, uh, and I want to be careful with my words here from successful to failure, (laughs) because no, but let's say um, you surprised yourself and you did make a heavier lift versus you didn't make a heavier lift. Like, what is the difference in your mindset? I mean... I try
1: not to, I try not to assign too much value to it. To be honest with you, like I'll just go, oh, that was cool, like sweet, you know. Like a couple weeks ago, like I w- surprised myself and I like back squatted like two thirty for three, and I was like, holy
0: crap, like what? It's how working. Did,
1: how? Yes, exactly. Like I was so surprised because in the fall, like I back squatted like two fifty for one.
0: Wow. And so I.
1: Was just like, oh, it's working. Like that's awesome, you know. But I also know that like if I don't make a lift, like that's also my body protecting me from. I never want to force anything. Like I don't, I don't ever force myself past, you know, what I think my body can do without breaking form. So if I just, oh, it's not in the cards today, you know, and I just have to just let it go and just, you know, know that that's part of the process. And that's that mostly came through like working through those injuries.
0: I was going to ask where did that come from? Yeah. And uh it's already been about 35 minutes of talking and we haven't even addressed oh. <laughs> born born and raised in LA. Yes, LA native. I'm a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, but I keep interviewing LA natives, so I'm like maybe <laughs> Sorry guys, I uh I'm partial to the LA natives. Um do you feel bias. like Yeah, do you feel like this area has I don't want to say toughened you up no it's there's so many different things that you can do in in la yeah how do you feel like you know in the nature versus nurture and both Mm. right because you're the one who's curious and seeking out other things what has la like how have you grown with la and what how has la changed for you you're still here yeah you know Yeah, I've always stayed for one reason or another. Uh,
1: Work, jobs now, the good weather with flying and everything um, because it's good to build time. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It's funny. Like whenever people tell me they're surprised I'm from L.A., I always take it as really high praise. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Okay, I'm doing something right. Um, But, you know, I think that Honestly, like my parents, they're from my mom, my dad's from Ohio, and my mom's from like a small town in Texas. And I think the way that they raised me really influenced and gave me more balance and perspective in my life. Um, Because, you know, I went to private school in LA, and that can get very, I don't know, you you see how people turn out in LA sometimes. (laughs) And it kept me grounded in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I love LA and I hate LA, but it's my home. Like it's the land of accessibility and um, it's a very special place and very polarizing. But I'm I am glad that I was raised here.
0: Yeah, I it sounds like in that accessibility that you're aware of, you know, you're appreciative of how maybe like private school kept this scope that protected you in a way to just like grow where you're at right now but also there's what i'm hearing is there's this acceptance too for like there are so many different things that you can do yeah it can go a number of ways just like training just like flying you know and you're like okay yeah in a way that um unless you've lived through it, it might be difficult for somebody else to have that same level of like acceptance and consistency to stay the course.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, LA is a very transient city and um, you know, people come here looking for I don't know, whatever they're looking for, many, many different things. And you can find all of those things here. You know, I do think that it is um it is a place where people people's dreams do come true you know you you know you fly high you, you know you can die also you know by the same by the mm-hmm. same hand but um but yeah I don't know LA is a LA is an interesting one for sure I do think I'll leave at some point but uh yeah where would you go I love the mountains so
0: I love would love to go to like Colorado or Utah or something like that I can see that. And also, I'm biased now, so I'm like thinking of Atlas Shrugged and Dagny Taggart flying into Atlantis. Okay, I'm going to stop being (laughs) a nerd right now, but I I just see that, yeah. Um, Okay, so you're just a really cool person, and I'm really excited for our community to listen to this, and for those of you who aren't training in the morning when Emily's training or Hack Attack, whatever you'd prefer to call (laughs) her at this time. Um, I do want to ask you one more question and I ask everybody this and I think we already kind of touched upon it, but just to like, you know, answer whatever comes up for you. Um, and that question is like, what drives you to like, keep going? So when you wake up in the morning or maybe it's like, what drives you to try a new thing? And I know earlier you were describing growth mindset and then also I don't really choose what I get to choose next. I just kind of like feel it in my body. So if you were to put that into words, though, like what is that? Um, where does that drive come from? Well,
1: I think that what's important to me is that, like, I continually try to approach life with a sense of wonder. Right, that there is always something interesting around every corner. And um, yeah, I, I, I just think that the more that I say yes to things, the more good things keep happening to me. Um, so yeah, I just try to say yes to, to every opportunity and you never know what, you never know who you're going to run into or, you know, what experience you might have. So, so Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, you also have your own podcast. I do. I about that? <laughs> do you want to talk about that? Sure. Uh, speaking of wonder and whatever, you know, saying yes led to this thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was just kind of looking for a creative project and uh, I started a podcast that's called OK, So I Met This Guy. Um, we have had a couple of Deuce uh, members on the podcast. Oh, OK. Um, if you ever want to check it out. Uh, but yeah, it's a dating podcast. Uh, sort of. I, I think that there are plenty of dating podcasts that give advice Um, this is just members coming or not members, but uh, people coming on to tell their crazy dating stories. So, you know, it's no bashing, no, um, names or key identifiers, no psychoanalysis. So nobody's ever like, yeah, I just think he had a lot of childhood trauma. Um, you know, it's just just storytelling. It's just storytelling. It's people coming on telling the story as it happens. So, so yeah, it's just been a fun, like little creative outlet for me. I love that. (laughs) I'm going to go
0: listen to that right now. Okay. You guys should probably listen to that after this too. But, um, anything you want to add? Um, the only thing that I'll say is, you know,
1: people do ask me about consistency, especially those who have known me from the time Mm -hmm. that I was young. And the reality is that it's all about building the habit, you know, um, for anybody who is struggling, just keep showing up. Um is what I would say, because motivation is really fleeting. And when we don't feel motivated, we can just rely on the habit. And so often that's what gets me to the gym in the morning mm. is just the habit of being there. Um, and to that same end, you know, I think that training and what it means to you can evolve over time, um, you know, I've noticed that, Pre, Pre-COVID, uh, you know, I'm sure people would see me at the gym with my headphones on, my music blaring, just like doing my own thing. And now I work out with headphones on very rarely. Um, you know, Deuce has become a place uh, of an outlet for me for community in a new way, you know, post-COVID, you know, now that I'm working from home. People, Yeah, yes. people, exactly. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I would just say, like, give yourself grace, but just keep showing up.
0: I love that wow that was like basically like oprah hacker (laughs) oprah same thing you can find me at deuce gym every day yeah there you go (laughs) well thank you so much for joining the show um having me you're awesome and hopefully more of the deuce community will be jumping out of airplanes soon yeah we'll see time come with me all right peace guys (laughs) bye